For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Recorded live. Welcome back to another episode of Radio J-Dub, the audio incarnation of the most interesting independent sports blog out there. You can find us at uh, dubsism.wordpress.com. You can follow us on our Facebook page, Dubsism. We're on Instagram, Pinterest, Tumblr, D-U-B-S-I-S-M. First page search result on Google. Uh, Call ourselves the most interesting independent sports blog out there. That's really because... We do a lot of work with a lot of other really good independent sports bloggers. Uh, I've got Chris Humphreys over at Sports Chump, Neil Roberts from Sports with Neil. Uh, I get constant contributions from Ryan Meehan over at uh, First Order Historians. Uh, His stuff where he interviews the comedians, not about sports, but still great reads and some real good insights into the entertainment world in general. a couple of new guys. Uh, you know Jason from Indiana. He's been a contributor on Dubsism. He's working on some more uh, things for us as we speak. Uh, being a Cubs fan, I'm sure that we're going to hear a lot from him as the Cubs get into the postseason. And is this actually the year? In fact, we just posted a piece the other day about uh, point counterpoint five reasons why the Cubs can or can't win. You'll probably want to head over to Dubsism and give that a read. Give us a comment. Uh, also want to give a shout out to a guy who used to run a really good sports blog, went away for a little bit, but now he's back. That would be our another co- uh, contributor guy that we like to work with. His name is Bruce Burns. He's got a site called Sports Attitudes. Uh, check it out. He's working uh, on some pieces uh, with us right now in our Tales of Depression and Sorrow series. He's a He's a Philadelphia guy, and as we all know, Philadelphia sports fans ooze pain, so those ought to be some interesting reads coming up. Ah, now that we've taken care of the housekeeping... And now, despite numerous requests... Here's Johnny! Middle to end of September, uh, college football, very much underway. Uh, 
you know, uh, my spiel, don't record these podcasts live. So uh, actually recording this on a, on a Sunday morning after a full Saturday of college football action. Uh, you looked at some things that happened last night. You had Stanford take it to uh, USC. You had Ole Miss uh, upset Alabama. Uh, some of that on that really fluke play where this ball got snapped over the quarterback's head. He pulled an Eli Manning in the Super Bowl and just chucked it up for grabs and got a lucky bounce, got a touchdown. I mean, you call that win what you will. Still a W in the uh, column for Ole Miss and an L for Alabama. So bring us to my topic today, and that is the college football playoff. And as it exists now, we have this four-team tournament. And when we first started talking about getting rid of the BCS and going to a playoff, I was, I was an anti-playoff guy. And there's a host of reasons for that. Um, I won't get into them because it's a done deal. We have a playoff. My issue now is that this four-team playoff is really kind of the worst of both worlds. It, it doesn't really give you a playoff. It gives you four teams that were hand-picked. Uh, can have an argument whether they were the best team, not the best teams, whatever. I, you know, a lot of people will look at last year and they'll, they'll point to the Baylor versus TCU issue. And, you know, how would they have done in this tournament and. What we have is we have a playoff, but we still have, you know, a selection committee and pollsters and all this other bullshit that really needs to be gone from a playoff. And back back in the Dubsism archives uh, a few years ago, I wrote an article where I actually caught myself agreeing with that gas bag at ESPN, Jason Whitlock, where he talked about let's have a real playoff. And, you know, being an ESPN guy, he had the right idea, but, you know, being an ESPN guy, he didn't have any way of how to make it happen. And there's a key to making a real college football playoff happen that nobody really has the nerve to do because... It's going to involve just reinventing the structure of the sport as it exists now. What am I talking about? I'm talking about if you're going to have a playoff, you got to have a 16-team format, okay? And you can give me all the static you want about, you know, student-athletes and, and, you know, the integrity of the game and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's too many games. They've been doing this. They've been doing this in FCS for years. It works. It's a moneymaker. If you did this with the big schools, you're, you're going you're gonna to create a sporting event that will rival March Madness in terms of how much draw it gets. I mean, like it or not, big-time college football in this country is a major league sport. It makes major league money. It has major league quality athletes, as is evidenced by the fact that it is the feeder to the NFL. So let's let's just stop with the pretenses right now. Let's get rid of this student-athlete stuff. Let's get rid of this. Well, you know, it's it's really about a- academia. No, it's, it's about $10 billion a year and 100,000-seat stadiums. It's a sport. It's a business. Let's treat it as such, okay? 
the obvious tangent to get off on here is are we going to start talking about paying players? That's a whole other kettle of fish that I don't want to get into. That's, that's a rant for another day. Today is all about if you're going to do a playoff, let's do it right. And you start with a 16-team format. Now, there's a couple of reasons why 16 is important. Because as we walk through how you're going to structure this playoff, you're going to have to come to terms with two facts that a lot of people don't really want to deal with. And that is, one, in order to make this work, you're going to have to break up the big power conferences as they exist now. And you, I can hear the gasps already at, at the, just the idea of doing that. But follow along. You'll, you'll see not only why that makes sense, but you'll also get a real good reason why we can get the big schools that want the power conferences to get away from the power conferences. And the second thing is that this is not going to happen at the expense of bowls. That was one of the big arguments in the pre-playoff BCS era is that, well, the, the bowl games are going to go away. Bowl games aren't going to go away. They can't go away. Um, like we're doing with the four-team tournament, Big bowl games are going to be essentially your playoff games. We're going to expand that a little bit. Uh, but the big thing that we're going to do is about the little guys. The little bowl games, those Beefo Brady Bowls, the Miami Beach Bowl, the, the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl, those little bowl games are crucial to the success of this plan. And there's a couple of reasons for that. The small bowl games are all about the NCAA and ESPN coming together to generate programming and to generate revenue for the guys who normally aren't in the college football world. Let's be really honest about what college football is, okay? Big-time college football in this country revolves around about 30 schools. You take your Power Five conferences, which gives you uh, 60, 65 schools, and then you take the top half of those. That's what college football is really all about. College football is really all about Texas, Alabama, uh, Michigan, Ohio State, USC, the big dogs. Okay, college football is not about Purdue and Colorado State and, you know, Fresno. It, it, that's not what college football is about. College football is nice that it has those. And they serve a purpose. But when we start talking about college football as a multi-billion dollar a year industry, you know, we're, we're, we're not talking about, you know, we're not talking about, you know, Maryland. We're, we're, we're talking about Penn State. We're talking about Georgia, Wisconsin, big schools with gargantuan athletic departments uh, and, you know, 9,500,000 seat stadiums. Okay. What the little bowl games do is they bring that world to places that don't have it at all. You know, the New Mexico Bowl might be on at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday in that week between Christmas and New Year's, but it serves a purpose. It, it gives ESPN something to put on on those days which are absolutely dead, 
and it stops ESPN from having to run, you know, reruns of SportsCenter 14 hours a day to fill up a 24-hour cycle. But what it also does is it gives you a couple of schools re- and their fan bases reasons to travel to a city where you normally don't get a lot of reasons to travel, especially in that time around the holidays. So when you're in Albuquerque with the New Mexico Bowl, or you're in Shreveport with the Independence Bowl, or whatever they call it now, they change their names all the time, but that's a, that's a couple of days where these guys get to fill up their hotels, fill up their restaurants. If they really get creative, they throw some sort of little town festival around it. They make themselves a couple of million bucks. ESPN gets to sell some commercials during a football game where they normally would be, you know, running World's Strongest Man or Championship Bull Riding or some other unwatchable bullshit. Um, so those, those are an important part of the equation. they got to stay. So how does that relate to the big schools in the playoffs? Okay, well, let's talk about the structure first. 16-team format. So when we talk about breaking up the power conferences, what we're going to do is we're going to build 12 conferences that have 10 teams each, 120 teams. I realize that right now we don't have that number of Division 1A teams. We're going to have to do a little tweaking of that because the structure is going to be you know, 12 conferences, 10 teams each. That's an important part. So if that means we have to have the brutally honest conversation about um, the service academies really belonging in the championship subdivision, or if it's a question of we take some Johnny-come-latelys like South Alabama or Alabama-Birmingham that dissolved its program and then, you know, cried for a do-over, we can have that conversation again. That's 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 a discussion for another time of who belongs in and who belongs out. But the structure is twelve teams or twelve conferences, ten teams each. And what that's going to do is you will have nine conference games. Everybody plays each other once, and you'll have three non-conference games. So you'll have a twelve twelve game regular season like you do now. Okay. What that'll do is that will allow, A, everybody plays everybody in a conference. You don't have these super conferences where, you know, you play everybody in your division and then you play two guys from the other division, and depending on what the round robin of how that works, you know, are you going to have a good season or a bad season? For example, you're in the Big Ten, you're in the Big Ten West, and you've got a schedule where you don't have to play Ohio State or Michigan. Okay, that's going to be a good year for you. Uh, if you, the two teams from the other division that you have to play are, you know, Indiana and, you know, Illinois, um, that, that, that's also going to be a good year for you because both those teams are terrible. Uh, the, this format eliminates that. You've got to play everybody once. You know, the only difference is, you know, you're home one year, you're away next year. Big deal. Um, if you're going to win your division, you're going to have to beat the good team in it no matter what. Uh... The other thing that this does is that you know, a lot of people when they cry about breaking up conferences, like, you know, they, we were so worried about rivalries. Oh, we got to protect the traditional rivalries. Blah, 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 blah. Well, we're already fucking those up with conference realignment anyway. Um, Texas, Texas A&M don't play each other anymore. Uh, you can't get, you know, a bigger rivalry than that. I mean, that, that's up there. If you're a Texas person, that's up there with Michigan-Ohio State. That's, you know, that's, that's a big deal. Um, you go out to the West Coast, you got Cal Stanford, you know. This allows you 
to keep those alive with your three non-conference games, you know. Um, you really kind of want to get rid of this stuff that you see now in college football where you'll have a power school, you know, the, the, the cupcake factor. You know, Alabama brings in, you know, roast beef state, you know, gives them a check for a lot of money so they can beat them by 75 points. Nobody wants to see that. That's not good. That's not good television. That's, you know, if you want, we, I mean, it's an exhibition game. You know, you can call it as bad as the NFL preseason, except nobody's really fighting for a job because everybody's already got their scholarships. But, you know, 12 regular season games, all of which are going to mean something, okay? And then for your 16-team playoff, you simply take the 12 division winners or the 12 conference winners, and then you have four wildcard teams. And you can use the same exact objective criteria that the NFL uses. You know, we can talk about, you know, whatever their criteria are. They have a system of tiebreakers. I don't know them off the top of my head. You can go out and look them up. That's, you, you can base your model off that, you know. Here's our next four best teams. You know, one loss, record in the conference, blah, blah, blah. There you go. There's your 16 teams. Now, as far as the playoff format goes... You have the first round of the playoffs. You know, you have it that week right after the end of the regular season. You know, you can do it, you know, like the week after the weekend after Thanksgiving. That's usually everybody's usually done by then. You can even move it back a week past that. The idea is is that, you know, sometime between Thanksgiving and New Year's Day, you're going to get this playoff done so that you can have like your big bowl games as your like, you know, your quarterfinals, um, you want four bowl games then so that you have two bowl games, you know, the week after, then you have a championship game sometime in January. I mean, dates, you can funge around with this. This is all conceptual. But it works like this. Okay, the first week, the top eight teams out of your 16 get an extra home game. They're going to host the first playoff game, Okay. And then when you go down from there, when you go to your four games, this is where you can start using bowl games, start playing them at neutral sites. You can announce them years in advance. You can set them up, you know, to be the same ones. Like if you want your championship game to be in the Rose Bowl every year, that's fine. If you want to rotate them around, I don't care. But you're going to have four weeks of playoff football. The first week, the top eight get a home game. Okay? That's part of the reward for breaking up the conferences, but stick with me. There's there's more to how we're going to do that. The home game is only one of them. Um, then, like I said, as we go down the bracket, you start using you start using bowl games, um, and you start you know that first weekend you start with you know some of the smaller yet still kind of big ones. Um, you know, Gator Bowl, Citrus Bowl, any of those games that are on New Year's Day, like all those. Big Ten SEC matchups, you know, you give people a reason to go down to Florida in December, you know, why not? Again, you're helping out people with the Chamber of Commerce, you know, they get to fill up their hotels, they get to fill up their restaurants, and they and they know they're going to get a good game every year. You, you keep them in the picture, and like I said, then you go down, you go down the bracket until you end up, you know, Rose Bowl or championship game at Jerry World or however you want to do it, don't care. I'm more interested in the structure, okay? Having said that, that brings us back to the bowl system because what you do 
with the losers out of that first week. Okay, the top eight get a home game. Assuming they win, they move on um, in the tournament. Uh, the losers, the losers out of those games, you put them back in the bowl selection pool. So now your playoff is not taking away from the regular bowls, okay? Because under the BCS, you had eight or ten teams that were being automatically taken out of your bowl selection pool. And so, you know, if Ohio State was number one and Alabama was number two and, you know, so on and so forth, those were, those were gone off to those BCS games, Rose Bowl, Sugar Bowl, blah, blah, blah. You take the losers of the first eight, game, or first eight games, drop them back in the selection pool, and that way you still get to have games that will have good teams in them and games that you can put around the still traditional New Year's Day cluster. You're still, you're still going to get a Peach Bowl or a Chick-fil-A Bowl, whatever you want to call it. You're still going to get that with a good ACC and a good SEC team. You can still have your three or four... Uh, New Year's Day Big Ten um, SEC matchups. You can still you can still have a Rose Bowl um, like game. I mean, you're probably going to use your Rose Bowl as a championship game, but you can still put together a good bowl game with a Big Ten champ and you know a a, a Pac-12 team. You can you can still have that Alamo Bowl game with a pretty good Big Ten team against a pretty good Big 12 team. You can keep all that stuff alive. And it, as it trickles down, obviously, you still get to have your Beef O'Brady's Bowl with your, you know, your Louisiana Techs and your Arkansas States, and you still get to have the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl with, you know, uh, a Big Ten team against somebody. And, you know, you still get to keep all those little moneymakers alive. Now, why do we keep talking about money with this? Well, obviously, because this is all driven by money. The reason why ESPN and the NCAA got together and created all those little bowl games is because, A, they make money, and, B, they generate programming, which, C, allows the sale of um, advertising. So it's a win-win for everybody. Okay? How do we get the big schools to buy into this? Because I hear you right now. You're saying, well, that's great. You know, that's great that Roast Beef State gets a payday, but what about Alabama? You're not going to get Alabama to leave the SEC. Yeah, I am. You know how? Money. Think about it. Right now, in the world of college broadcasting, you have two models for how a big conference puts together its TV package. There's the Big Ten, which went out and created its own cable network and broadcasts scores of its own sports via its own network, or you can do what the SEC did and basically create an ersatz network that's really just kind of powered by ESPN. I mean, the SEC network is really just another ESPN channel, if you stop and think about it. But the Big Ten network, while it may be modeled the same, is, is wholly owned by the conference. And the Big Ten model is the way to go here. You tell the Alabamas and the Michigans and the Southern Cals and, and those schools, like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to build regional conferences, okay? They're going to be strictly geographically based. We're going to draw lines on a map, and we're going to put 
good, we're going to put 10 schools together in one conference, and then we're going to market that conference via satellite, cable, streaming, uh, whatever. We're going to put that out there with its own network. And that the teams in that conference will not only be able to broadcast and or sell the broadcast rights to football, but we're bundling everything. Football, basketball, baseball, the schools that do hockey, because like it or not, college hockey is a growing sport in this country. Um, hockey doesn't have the number of schools involved. You might have to do a one-off with, with the broadcast rights. You might have to do a one-off with baseball, because a lot of the northern schools don't do baseball. If they do, they have a short season or, or how, however. Um, but you, the idea is is that these regional conferences now own all of their own broadcast stuff. And what that does is if you, if you look at the map and you see how easy it is to put two or three of the big schools that we're talking about into one of those conferences with, you know, seven or eight little guys. Um, so, I mean, you can make, you can make a, a, a conference out of basically Texas alone. You can make a conference basically out of California alone. And that California conference has some big players in it. It's got UCLA, it's got UCLA. But it's also got San Diego State, Fresno State, you know, places like that. Okay. What that's going to do is that's going to let your little guy get a piece of a bigger pie. And it's going to let the big dogs, well, they're going to run those conferences. I mean, Southern Cal is a favorite to win your California conference every year. And somebody is going to challenge them, which has got a good shot to be a wild card team. You know, take, the, take that scene to the Midwest where, you know, you could, have a pretty, you could have a pretty good conference based around Michigan and Ohio State and half of those MAC teams that are in that area. You know, you could, you could build a pretty good conference in the South, built it around you know, Alabama and Auburn and then, you know, you know, a lot of those conference USA schools that are in the area. I mean, there's, there's, there's a, a ton of ways to do it. The idea being you're going to take those 30 schools that I talked about earlier that matter, sprinkle them around these new conferences, and watch them sit back and go, hey, wait a minute. Instead of giving all my money to ESPN... I can keep this money myself, and I can choose which broadcast package I'm going to sell. Because if you look at the Big Ten model, the Big Ten model does not show every Big Ten game. The Big Ten network doesn't show every single sporting event from the Big Ten. They'll farm some of them out. You know, they know that they're you know they can make more money letting ABC show an Ohio State game at 3:30 on Saturday afternoon than they can keeping it on basic cable. Well, now. You take the NCAA out of that picture, and you give this to to the schools in that conference. You telling me that a place like Bowling Green wouldn't love to get into a conference with Ohio, know with Ohio State, knowing full well that yeah, Ohio State is going to be the star around which that conference revolves. But that also means that all those little guys are going to get a bigger taste of the puzzle, a bigger taste of the pie. 
and it also means that Ohio State is going to get a bigger pie. Because you can't tell me that regional regional cable uh, doesn't work. I mean, it does. There's a reason why the regional sports uh, sports network in Southern California paid the Dodgers three billion dollars for broadcast rights. Okay, you put a package of a popular sport into the right market with the right with the right supporting cast and the right infrastructure. And you will make you will make so much more money than you're doing now. Not to mention when you get to the playoffs. You know this is this is where Yahoo Sports comes up with you know some sort of bracket challenge. You know it's 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 a survival league. It's you know a pick'em league. It's an online thing with all the online revenue streams that come with it. Well, the people in those conferences that they're going to negotiate those terms. You know, you you might have to have an NCAA-like organization to handle some of the national national stuff, but this model would also allow you to destroy the NCAA as we know it, and that really needs to happen because it's clearly one of the most corrupt sporting organizations this side of FIFA. Now, I haven't said all of that. The naysayers to this are the ones that are going to sit back and say, yeah, nobody's ever going to go for this. Nobody's ever going to break up those big conferences. And I'm telling you, sit down and do the homework. Okay, Sit down and look at what college football makes right now on its TV stuff. Okay? And then think, okay, what can you do if you eliminate the middleman? What can you do if you say, all right, okay, I'm not going to let ESPN just kind of run an ersatz network for me. I'm going to run my own network, and I'm going to put it on cable, and I'm going to put it on DirecTV, and I'm going to put it here, there, everywhere. But J-Dub, cable's a dying animal. You realize that, right? Yeah, I do. It's still the dinosaur in the room. It's the old, sick, limping dinosaur, but it's still there. Reorganization along these lines puts every one of these new conferences that we create in a perfect position to go stream box. You know, hey, you want to you wanna see the all-Texas college football conference? Ten bucks a month on Netflix. Uh, you know... If you if you combine this with all of the sports and not just football, ergo the Big Ten model that I'm talking about, you know, there's a lot of people who buy that for ten bucks a month. Especially you know because you, you 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 dip in, you grab it for college football, you grab it for college basketball, you dip out in the summer when it's nothing, you know, or you know if those networks choose. They can come up with some kind of programming to keep subscribers in the summertime. Who knows? You know, you can also you can also use the Yankees yes model. You know, if I'm if I am the Texas Sports Network and I am specializing in college sports, well, why don't I sign a deal with the Houston Astros to broadcast their games in Lubbock, Texas? Why not? I'll keep those Texas fans watching. There's all kinds of possibilities here 
That's why they got to think out of the box. And that's the, the, the supreme accomplishment of thinking outside of the box is picturing college football without the Big Ten and the SEC. But like I said, do the homework on the money that's out there. It takes a little. It'll it'll take a little bit. You got to go. You got to go. You know, conference by conference, or, and sometimes even school by school, because nobody really wants to tell you exactly how much money there is to be had in big time college sports. But when you start digging a little bit, you will discover that it is a gargantuan number, and. Everybody in college football right now is pretty fat, dumb, and happy with the way it works now because it's it's not like there's a shortage of money in college football because there isn't. But these guys are missing a couple of big revenue streams and and we have to really, as sports fans across the board, we have to start thinking about what does what does our weekend sports viewing start to look like as cable continues to die. It's an interesting question. Give it some thought. Hit us up at Dubsism. Send us your thoughts. Dubsism at Yahoo.com. You can find the blog full of available comment space at Dubsism.wordpress.com. Like I said, we're on Pinterest. We're on Instagram. We're on Tumblr. We're pretty much everywhere. Dubsism. D-U-B-S-I-S-M. It's a first-page search result on Google, which means somebody is actually paying attention. With that, I'm going to bring this episode of Radio J-Dub to a close. want to give another shout-out to my usual bloggy buddies, Humphreys at Sports Chump, Meehan, my new guy, uh, Bruce Burns, Neil Roberts at Sports with Neil. Check them out. They're all worth the read. Until next time, see ya. And during the few moments that we have left, we want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. Hello? Yes. Go ahead. Okay. Here's my question. Uh, since it became really cold out, bitterly cold, we've been noticing a lot of snaps or cracks in the house, particularly uh, in the wee hours of the morning. And I have a feeling it's from expansion and contraction, but my question is, what causes it, and is, is this a serious problem where I should have any concern? Well, not only is it a serious problem, what's happening there is the double flanges on the joists are uh, expanding counterclockwise in uh -huh. the ice. Uh-huh. Uh, there have been occasions when people should leave their home uh, depending on the... Uh, you have to time the frequency of the cracks. Uh, it's almost like a pregnancy thing. Uh, you have to time the frequency of the cracks. If they're within, let's say, 30 seconds of each other, I think you're looking at a night in the Motel 6. You're kidding. No, that's a uh, flange joist contractual uh, expansion problem. Well, we just noticed it one night, mainly. Well, that's all it takes. That's the way it starts. One night, hell, the next night you hear them more often. Again, if you hear them within 30 seconds of each other, I'd put the family in the car and get the hell out of there. You're really kidding. It's, it's, a, it's only a 25-year-old home. Well, they, didn't, it, they it, don't it build them like they used to. Uh, but it hasn't done it 
for many, many years, and we just had our kitchen renovated, which we, we moved some of the old cabinets, or all of the old cabinets, and they put in new. Sheetrock? Any sheetrock used? Pardon me? Did they use any sheetrock in the new kitchen? Yeah, we had some soffits removed. And soffits uh, removed. It's, this is classic. This is kidding. a typically classic pattern. Well, what caused it to do that? The double flange uh, backup on the joist, that counterclockwise expansion. But why hasn't it done it for 25 years? Well, you've you, uh, had this early, uh, tremendous amounts of snowfall. They built up your ice dams, and now you've got all of that ice on your roof and this sudden cold weather, and it's, uh, it's a very unique uh, situation. Does it happen often? Or you say it's unique? I think it doesn't happen often precisely because you don't often get that early season snow. I see. Have you heard of much of this happening recently? I've known families have had to leave for the winter. Well, what's going to, what could be the worst scenario? Could the house collapse? Absolutely. Just dump down right on you. I'd get out of there. you got to be kidding. No, I'm not, sir. Thank you for calling. Okay. And Goodbye. Good luck. Oh, I hope somebody, I hope his friend is listening. Somebody straighten hey, that guy Hey, buddy, out. straighten that guy out. Uh, we have no idea. I don't Look, know. I if anybody's on hold for 30 minutes listening to us talk about whatever we were talking about and still thinks it was home and garden talk, <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. Well. You bastards! You vicious, heartless bastards! Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.